Hello, everybody, and welcome back to BestOfRods.com, movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join me, we have Caveman. Aloha. Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, so... Cave and Don't expect quiet. us That's to actually quiet. watch much for a while. Yeah, he 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 will be he'll be a bit on the unprepared side for the next couple weeks. Whereas me, I'm too poor to afford it. Because I've already budgeted my next fucking three months of salary, three months of fucking disability or whatever. Money. Honestly, you guys are lucky that I'm too dedicated to. Uh... Be like, dead man, my internet's terrible and I'm sick, so I can't do anything today while I'm playing Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Be worse if I had over voice chat like that. <laughs> Just you instinctively get on at the time and it's like, oh yeah, fuck it. <coughs> I'm yeah, sick. And uh, <laughs> I'm going oh, through a tunnel. Internet. Fucking boss getting in my way. I mean, oh, I'm so <laughs> sick. Anywho, we're here talking about movies right now. We'll save that shit for next week. So, caveman. Oh, um, I'm going first. Yep. Well, first off, let's talk about something new. And by something new, I mean another fucking remake. Fucking That's right, people. I saw Carmen Sandiego. I haven't seen all of it. I've only seen the first half of, you know, what's been released. Uh, and it is fucking Dynamite. Wrong franchise, but okay. I know. Um, but no, seriously. Um, it did something that I didn't expect. Be good? And it got a response that I didn't expect. So, for those who were in the know, you'd know that Carmen Sandiego was... An educational project. It was meant to teach your children about the world. Yep, started out as a and game series. The show, the show is doing that. It's it's got educational beats, and they don't feel either annoying or pointless. They're just little side things that our characters comment on, and it's fucking awesome. Like, like, I actively am, I did not think that I would ever enjoy watching an educational program. And yet here I am, an adult, watching a program that's teaching me about the world at large. Okay, and so I, I, I feel like we haven't really given actual, like, context, so... For okay. those who don't know, for the youngins, Carmen Sandiego was a series of games uh, released back in like the early to mid nineties, as well as an animated series, which was you. With the games were about you as whoever you were trying to track down Carmen Sandiego, a thief who was going around stealing valuable shit in various parts of the world, and you would track her down. In doing so, you would learn about the world. And from what I, I don't believe I ever actually watched the show, but from what I understand, the show was a similar kind of vein where Carmen would like roll into town, steal some shit, but then it was all revealed to actually be part of her plan to teach the kids trying to hunt her down about history in the world and stuff. 
it's dependent upon the version. Uh, there was a game show that I know of, and a 90s, it was a very 90s, but a 90s cartoon that, uh, very, it was very 90s. Like, you looked at it, and I was like, when was this made? 90s? Yeah, this is 90s. Okay, and quick, um, quick apology, uh, quick, quick correction, uh, it is an 80s video game series, mid to late 80s. I was about a decade off. But, um, like, Car- Carmen was a thief in these shows, and she'd go out and steal shit. And then you had to solve puzzles based on what she stole, when, what, what point in the world history it was in, answer historical questions to, you know, guide yourselves there for the game show. Otherwise, they'll just tell you about it on the other show. Um, and it was entertainingly educational which is hard to do it's hard to make something entertaining and educational and carmen san diego managed managed it quite well this show the most important thing that i feel i have to say is it does get the educational part right in that it doesn't it's not massively obtrusive and it's not boring okay uh, while they're headed to a place to go steal something, they will talk about, oh yeah, and I learned about this from one of my nannies, and I learned this. And it's just a little side thing that's not super obtrusive, very interesting, very entertaining, and it allows us to still get the whole, you know, educational aspect that was so important to the original show. Yeah. Now, on to who our main characters are. In the original shows, it was always the people trying to capture Carmen. The agents of In this, it's Carmen. And it's also this Inspector Clouseau-looking asshole. (laughs) Literally, I was watching it with my wife and my best friend, and... My wife was like, oh, it's Inspector Clouseau. And I was like, we don't have a name for him yet. She was like, it's Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> I was just like, okay. So that's why I say that. That's why I call him the Inspector Clouseau looking asshole. Okay. Um, but. So I'm just going to start off with our first episode. Our first episode, we come into Carmen, you know, stealing shit. She's infiltrated uh. this building. We know little to nothing about her. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to say, given our conversation beforehand, phrasing. <laughs> we come into Carmen. All the time. <laughs> oh. How old is she here? Because for one, I've seen a picture. She... I don't know. <laughs> like, I genuinely have no idea. Like, I don't know if they directly said it or not, but I genuinely have no idea. So I'm just going to let you Google that real quick. Yeah, no age is given, but... Looks young enough to be potentially creepy. <laughs> um, But anyway. So, uh... She's she's robbing some Paris place, and, like, she gets away with whatever the goods are. I'm not quite sure what 
uh, the intended heist was. I think it was a valuable gemstone. Um, and, like, we know next to nothing about her at this point. Next to nothing. We just know that she's a thief. And that's about it. But she gets caught by an Australian whose uh, name is Graham Crackers. <laughs> you think I'm joking? No, I don't. His name is Graham. And when they're coming up with code names, he suggests the name Graham Crackle. Because he's an electrician. Graham Crackle. And the only reason he doesn't go with it is because everybody else says, yeah, pun names might not be the best idea if you want to be taken seriously. Yes, we are We are here. We are serious here at Vile. Oh, fucking Vile. Villains International League of Evil. <laughs> oh, they embrace that shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, that name is like, fine. She ex- like, we go through the backstory while, like, she's talking to Graham, and we go through what happened to lead her to be the person she is. We get introduced to the villains that are going to make up the Motley crew trying to bring her down. We find out why she's stealing things. And, yeah. I mean, like, I was worried she was going to, like, the uh, writer was going to Oda it up. For those who don't know, uh, Odaing it up is what I call when a writer doesn't know how to actually include things in a natural way and just writes fucking eight hours of backstory that we're going to see in goddamn flashbacks all the time. (laughs) I love One Piece. I fucking hate just how many goddamn flashbacks we get every goddamn chapter, it seems. Yeah, that's fair. There's a a lot. Yeah, that... That fucking thing. I am. The closer we get to the end, the more I burn out on One Piece. Because, like, Oda has come out and said, like, yeah, I'm about 75% done. Yeah, but. And it's weird. Like, right now, we should be fucking. They're going up against one of the. They're going up against Kaido, one of the fucking Yonko. And I'm just, just like, I could not care less. Yeah, I'm still not sure I believe that it's actually even close to being done. Because he planned for it to take five years. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But this isn't the anime podcast. Oh, God. Um, So... Uh, Carmen San Diego is really filling a niche for me, which is I like spy games. Um, I like that character who's like a uh, subterfuge, coercion, and a few bits of tricks along with some nice gadgets. If you play it smart, you'll never actually see the enemy coming. You know, I like that. I like seeing those kinds of stories, and you just don't get them enough. So it's really filling a, a, um, a kind of need for me. So I'm very happy with it right now, too. The animation is solid. The voice acting is good pretty much universally. Um, and the reason I said you're going to Oda it up is because 
I think they started the second episode and like they started describing how they had met. And I was just like, oh God, you're going to have another flashback, aren't you? And there was no flashback. So I was very happy. They literally said one thing, which is all it takes, Oda. <laughs> and moved on. It's just, just, just one, like one sentence. But if we don't know every bit of his backstory, how will we feel bad for law? I don't feel bad for law. Well, shit. It doesn't matter what your reason for being a villain is. You're a villain. I also, I also love that. Like, once that fucking backstory actually came out, I saw a bunch of articles written about how, like, how, like, essentially, law is the main character of a different series. Yeah. No. Like, that's totally a thing. Yeah, like, I think Oda is trying to get across. I think one big one thing that Oda is big about is uh, his world is telling a ton of stories, not just one, and they're all going on all at once, which is great. Yeah, like I'm not going to deride him for that. But but it's, ma- but it's a matter of for- like law, like the amount of shit law has about him. He's close to Ichigo levels of protagonist. Hmm. Meanwhile, Luffy's just like, yeah, I'm here, fucking whatever. Which makes him the more interesting protagonist to yeah, me. Like, like, yeah, he has a bunch of like backstory stuff, too, and, and like a lot of connections, but his backstory is, I met this guy. He was kind of cool. I went out to sea to find him. Because I'm going to be a, a dope-ass pirate. Because this shit's awesome. Meanwhile, meanwhile Law is all like, I'm going to get revenge. I got this, I got this, this, and that. My fucking dad was killed or whatever. And Luffy's just like, yeah, that, that's cool. My I was raised by a fucking gorilla in the fucking woods. And my dad, my grandpa's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, he somehow who, was able to punch rubber hard enough to hurt it. Love. I don't understand that. Wait, I understand. What it, happened? Uh, the whole, like, the whole, like, you know, he's made of rubber so physical attacks don't hurt him, but then his grandpa comes in and hits him in the head and it hurts him. You know why that is, though, right? Yeah, hockey. Yeah. I know that now. But at the start, it made absolutely no sense. No, it was like, are we just supposed to accept that his grandfather's that much of a badass? No, it's the power of love. That was their explanation. The power of love. That was literally their explanation. Just no superpower can no superpower can stop the righteous fist of love. Anyway, talk about Carmen San Diego. And it's it's possibly one of the best um, uh, redos I've seen since um, the early Voltron. And I have to specify early Voltron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because later Voltron was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to shit on that a bit more. I couldn't bit. bring myself to catch up on that. I started in on it again, and it's just like, why am I watching this? No, yeah, that's 100% fair. That's exactly what happened with me. Um, but don't worry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna be shitting on Voltron a bit later too. Yay! I get to shit on Voltron more because <laughs> the writers didn't already do that. Yeah, you want to see how the series ends? Be sure to check out Netflix's Twitter account because again, they still fucking did that. <sighs> I can't actually bring myself to care. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I've already ranted about it. You cared before. Y- you cared again. before you tried to get back into it. Yeah, I can't bring myself to care anymore. <laughs> like, which I mean is an achievement in and of itself. Garbage. What? I mean that's an achievement in and of itself. It was so good beforehand. That was the worst part. Yeah. It was just like, man, this is good pie. Let's leave it out for a month. That's literally what happened. Yeah. They had some good ass pie. And then. And they left it out for a month. And, well, we all know what happens when you leave food just out for a month. Hey, you know what would be a great idea? What? Let's take our six-episode, 22-minute format fucking animated series and put in two filler episodes. Mm. And one of them, this could be a clip show. The other one will literally serve no purpose whatsoever in any way. Just it's a joke for the people who like D&D. Which, honestly, is kind of why I stopped watching at that point. <laughs> you reached that episode and we're like, yeah, okay, this is, for, this is pretty funny. I'm done. No, I didn't even think it was funny. I was just like, this is, this is, this is what it's become? Yeah. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> I didn't even watch the episode. I was told by you about the episode. And I was like, nah. Nah, G. Yeah. I'm good. There's essentially one joke in that episode that worked. I'm good, G. I don't need this shit. <laughs> Which and is the, and very jo- depressing. And that joke was that Shira had to keep making new characters and they kept making paladins. What's a paladin? Anyway. Um, uh, I am not the biggest fan of the Boston Twins, but they've been growing on me steadily like a fungus, so I'll probably like them towards the end. You know what I mean? Like, when characters just, like, yeah, end up having to like them. That's kind of what's going on with those two. Yeah. For, the, for those who haven't watched it, there are uh, two characters from Boston. One has a much, much heavier accent than the other. Yep. And that's kind of the joke. Like, they're, they're from Boston. Woo, that's hey, Yo, what's up with the fucking Boston? How do you like them apples? Have it. I don't know. That's all I got. Clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. you can't love every character. Yeah. And I do. Like, I actually really like, um, I like Carmen and I like, they, they, this is the best part. They actually included a reference to the games. There's a character named Player. Yep, and actually... There's a character named Player. And actually, I'm um, looking up um, some stuff. Those two Boston twins are actually the character characters from the original Where on Earth the Carmen Diego series. Really? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the original series, um, from what I have read, is about Carmen being chased around by Zack and Ivy. Yeah, actually, no, you're right. Yeah, Agents of Acme, voiced by Scott Menville, the voice of Robin from Teen Titans, and Jennifer Hale. The most prolific female voice actor in video games and everything. (laughs) 
I always like looking up stuff like this and just finding out cool shit. Or so, not- yeah, this, this show knows where its roots are from, but I don't, I, f- I feel pretty good that it's not just going to constantly reference its roots. Because it, it has its own identity so far. Like, I don't know if it's actually going to keep developing that identity, but so far, it is its own thing. It's not just like, hey, look, we took the cliff notes of the other thing. Hey, Isn't look, that good? Hey, you, hey, you guys, we found some archived audio of that lady who played Chief. Don't you like us now? Well, they actually have the Chief in the show. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, like Acme is a thing. They approach Clouseau, and they're like, you're the, you're the person who has gotten the closest to catching this bitch. Sadly, that means we're going to be bringing you in on this. <laughs> yes, sadly. They don't say sadly, but like so, I'm sitting there like sadly. All right, you guys fine, really you fucking French shitbag. Get in here. Here's a fucking badge. Don't talk to me. And then they have to bring in his partner because they're incompetent. The partner I'm not even kidding. What? The partner or Acme is incompetent. Acme. They literally haul him. They drug him and haul him to a room in the same building and leave behind the most obvious fucking trail they could. <laughs> and they're like, well, I guess we will have to bring her in too. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, the fucking da. He couldn't have fucking like, I don't know, gave him a note, like called him. Have... What fucking, like, hey, yes, we are a good organization. Yeah, we are, we are an organization for good. We're only really good at capturing people who we aren't hunting. And even then, it's kind of a coin flip. But uh, honestly, the it's it it's it's fun uh, watching Clouseau utterly fail at everything. Well, yeah, you call him Clouseau. Yeah, but my ap- my absolute uh, my absolute favorite part is watching her just repeatedly destroy her firm- former allies because these people were her friends, and then they were giant assholes. Yeah, just I know like, how it goes. I watched a bit of that She-Ra cartoon. Oh, I need to actually uh, finish uh, She-Ra. Um, yeah, I need to finish She-Ra. But um, I'm very uh, hopeful for Carmen San Diego. I'm going to be positive about it. I am taking a break from it so that I don't watch it all in just one fucking sitting. Um... Because there's not a lot of it. <laughs> yep, nine anyone episodes. Anyone could imagine. What? It's nine episodes. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the thirty-minute animated feature deserves a shorter season than the hour-long prestige episodes. Because you know what? What? What, what, do you, what do you really need? The what do you really want? Do you want fucking like 24 episodes of Carmen Sandiego? Or do you want like fucking 15 episodes of Hemlock Grove? Can I have no episodes of Hemlock Grove? No. Is that an option? It was our, it was our first series. We canceled all the Marvel stuff so we could make more Hemlock Grove. <laughs> is, is no more Hemlock Grove an option? I want no more Hemlock Grove. I think it's canceled now? I don't fucking know. I have not actually... I think I watched... 
about 25 seconds of the first episode of Hemlock Grove and then then turned it off because I was like, yeah, this is terrible. Yeah, I don't I don't want any more Hemlock Grove. Coming soon. No. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> I've worked here long enough to know what that means. Okay, yeah, Hemlock Grove has been off the air for years. Okay. Yeah, it had three seasons. Wow, this is... The show has been off the air for, like, coming up on four years. And in that time, the final season only has three episode descriptions. Wow. Good God. That that's bad. Anyway. Um Yeah, I watched like one episode of Hemlock Grove and was like, no, no thank you. But uh anyway. So where in the world Carmen San Diego? Uh highly recommended if you want a nostalgia trip or just want a good show for your kids to watch. Cause it is actually educational, which means I'm gonna be learning some shit through osmosis. <laughs> which I haven't done in years, so it's great. Alrighty. Moving on, I promised that I would catch up on Legends, and I did. Well. Up to what Netflix has. There you go. <laughs> because I'm not paying fucking the CW to watch it on their fucking streaming app. Um, It may be one of the greatest shows that I've seen in a while, but... I'm just going to start at the last fucking episode of season three, because I gotta. <laughs> fucking Bebo! Bebo! God of War! Fucking bullshit. <laughs> and that's actually something I hate. I hate that shows can reference something, but not, like, include a cultural touchstone. Because they fucking reference Captain Planet and Voltron. Yeah, and they reference Marvel, too. But they don't use Captain Planet or Voltron. Law is stupid. Especially when it stops them from including awesome shit. Also, I I don't really think it would be that awesome. It's like, yeah, Captain Planet or this. What? Like, yeah, they referenced it. It has nothing to do with anything they've ever done. Yeah, but it's Captain Planet. He's a hero. He's going to take pollution down to zero. My only connection to Captain Planet is the fact that my high school, I think, pirated the theme song to be used for their fucking Green Initiative shit, and those Don Cheadle bits. I grew up on Captain Planet, so it would have been pretty fun for me. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me, Captain Planet threatens to kill you. Though, seriously, like... Looking at one of the characters saying, yeah, I watched Captain Planet as a kid, and then being like, oh my god, I'm as old as he is, aren't I? (laughs) 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 It's kind of depressing. They're not that old on the show. I don't care. It's kind of depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why, actually? Because he is old enough to make it, so. Who was, it's, okay, been a, it's been a one. bit since I watched season three. Who was it? He's at least in his 30s. Who? 
Uh, Steel. Okay, Nate. Okay. He's at least in his 30s, which makes it a little depressing. But he acts like he's fucking in his 20s and styles his hair like Johnny Bravo. The Elvis episode, actually. I really liked that one. You know what one I hated? What was that? The Blackbeard one. Fair. Anyone who knows me personally knows how much I love pirates. Like, if I could play a pirate in every D&D game, I'd probably be, you know, switching up characters still, but I'd be happy. <laughs> like, give me a ship, a bunch of rogues, and too much rum, and I'm happy. Well, you'd like another campaign that I'm running, where... I played through... I've played through Black Flag multiple times, and every time Blackbeard dies, I cry. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He was a murderer, a rapist, and one of the worst people to ever grace this planet. But you don't make him look like a coward. Yeah, you don't it's... make them look like idiots. It's one of the it's one of the unfortunate things about being on like, you know, network television in that you have like if you, if you do anything involving like real shit, it's always got to be a bit toned down. It's not even that they toned him down. It's that they turned him into a joke. Yeah, well, that's that's the, that's the other thing. With pirates especially, pirates have become such this weird cultural touchstone where no one actually knows, where, where no, one who grow, no one who grows up like, oh, man, the pirates are awesome. None of them actually know what a pirate is. Yeah, that's... I actually was uh, watching a comedy special and, like, the guy was like, yeah, we dress our kids up like pirates, the murderous and rapists of the sea. And I was just like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's like, all right, kids, all right, kids, welcome to the pirate-themed birthday party. Now let's play fucking stab the sword through the heart of the innocent victim. It's like, oh, you let's missed, you only stabbed him in the dick. rape the women that we captured on that last ship. I don't know where this joke is going. Moving on. This joke is going to dark places. That's where this <laughs> joke is going. Because <laughs> pirates are fucking dark. Like every, like every fucking... Like, from what I remember of the fucking Blackbeard interpretation, he was essentially a, like, fucking... He was essentially, like, the joke about highfalutin British society, but with a beard. Yeah. Like, if this was for real, he would be, like, on the level of the Legion of Doom. Like he'd, be the guy, he'd be the guy who would roll with them, and they'd be like, hey, man, you're being a bit much. So, I feel like uh, we should pick up where I left off in, uh, in um, Legends. Uh, which was the pirate episode. Yeah. Which pissed me off. Because uh, that's literally, that's the first episode I watched when I started watching it up again. Like, first episode is, hey, let's insult one of your childhood heroes. That feels good, don't it? And before anyone comments, yes, I know, he was a, he was a monster. 
I just said that. Oh, you silly but, bitch. No one will comment. Who do you think the, who do you think our knows? followers are? May, maybe our one patron who left us will at least come back to comment. <laughs> uh, We'd appreciate at least that. Oh, you're adorable with all your hope. But, so the big point of this season is, hey, let's, uh, let's go collect all of these, uh, fucking, uh, thingies that will defeat the time demon. Yeah, we gotta go, gotta go collect the Captain Planet rings in order to fight John Noble. Yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, like, they've been, I'm trying to think, actually, just, I'm trying to think whether or not I think it's weird or not, because I don't think I actually knew what my opinion was before I started this sentence. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's it's a bit of a, like, Saturday morning cartoon kind of thing for this series. Yeah, which doesn't like feel they, out of place because that's kind of what this series is. It also has a bit of a Saturday morning cartoon ending. Yeah, this, yeah, season three, it, season three. I, I still like the show's still fucking great, but season three was yeah, a no, lot more leaning into the comic book kind of stupid side of things. Which like I the episode where they're caught in a time loop. Uh, <laughs> oh, that episode was great. It was so good. So dark. But, like, my absolute favorite thing is Rory's book. Yeah, Not Rory. Rory's, Mick's book. You know, it's Mick Rory. Isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> you were thinking I about was watching it with some of my friends, and they were like, Hey, isn't that Rory from Doctor Who? And I was like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, No, Mick's book is my favorite part of that episode. Followed closely by... Holding up signs with their exact dialogue on it and letting them drop one by one by one. My favorite is the gun. Which gun? The one near the end where she is like, all right, let's see if this works. Where she's about to blow her brains out and it doesn't fire. Yeah. It <laughs> was so dark. So good. <laughs> and then how it like the truth of the whole thing is just like, what? Yeah, I I also, it's a weird thing. I really like it whenever Gideon's voice actor gets to actually be a character in the show, like an actual person. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Like, yeah, and the implication, remember the implication like earlier where like it seemed like back, back when like back when uh, Rip was still on the ship, there was that weird thing where like the ship and him wanted to fuck each other. Yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was a thing. They made out. He made out with his fucking ship. I want them to give her a body. Just yeah. so that we can get her all the time. Honestly, I kind of want the show to go Andromeda. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just just have just have her be like the Lexa Doig of this fucking show, where she is a physical manifestation of the ship. Well, sorry, a personification of the ship. Not a physical manifestation. Because the ship is a physical manifestation of the ship. 
but not just she like she can be like fucking jacked into all this stuff. Like one of them decides to make a lewd joke, and then she just looks at them and says, "You do realize that all of you are inside me at this exact moment. It feels good." <laughs> at which point, the writers just like, "Okay, that maybe that might be a bit too much cocaine. Let's just erase that." <laughs> we got rid of the guy who was yeah. We got rid of the guy who was like doing the weird sex stuff. Let's not fucking fall down that rabbit hole again. Yeah, I, I want to see more of her, like as like as a person. Yes, it would open up new avenues <laughs> for the show, and it would also just be fun. They've already got the character. Yeah, literally. It just... Hell, they there are a dozen different cyborg, robot, and android characters from DC that they could pull from if they just wanted to throw her in there, including several that look very human. I was imagining her voice coming out of a mezo. Just a weird, just a weird jacked bodybuilder elf. Fucking creepy as hell now. Thank you for ruining that for me. They have not, (laughs) have they done a live action Amazo yet? I don't think so. The fuck not? That's, I don't know. That's the easiest thing for them to do. Supergirl did Parasite and a White Martian, but not fucking Amazo? I don't know. Maybe there's some problem with doing a Mezo. I mean, does he even have genitals? He, yeah, he's wearing a fucking he's wearing a fucking he's wearing a, he's wearing a speedo. Maybe something down there. Isn't that part of him? It's anyway. Depends on the writer. Um, sometimes he's sometimes he's the weird bodybuilder elf. Other times he is just a mannequin with fuck like he's you know what episode norm. was weird. When they found out the truth behind Ava. Which one was that again? I The I, one again. where they go to the forbidden year and find out that Ava's a clone. Oh, right. Yeah, that. That is her name, right? Ava? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it took me a second. Like, fucking season four ended a while ago, and I have watched a lot since then. And Ava is a relatively new character. Yeah. <sighs> Though I I absolutely love her because she get, she lets us get a softer side of um of Lance yeah and it's it's kind of it's kind of good like seeing one of these fuckers in one of these goddamn shows be happy and not have it be a doomed romance yeah no this seems just like yeah they're cool with it and everything's hey. just fucking hunky dory. Hey, let's 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 have one of our characters hook up with Kendra, who just lost her true love, and will probably not show up after they've killed somebody. Oh no! Yeah. Hey, let's have these two hook up, even though she absolutely fucking has to return to her time and cannot bear his children. Oh no! Oh hey, let's let's show just how caring these two friends are for each other. Show that there is a platonic love between them, and then kill one! Oh, no. It's easy drama. Also, easy yeah. writing a lot of shows. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah. man, I got I got some shit on Broadway. Can you, like, kill me? <laughs> you know what the weirdest thing is? What's that? 
seeing how the original uh, trio have aged. <laughs> like, and Ray didn't even get to fucking participate in the final battle. Yeah, no, nah. no, nah, he. He's like, I'm gonna be a cheerleader. Ooh, go guys! I got a robot suit. You couldn't, you couldn't let one of the originals step up. No, nah, no, okay. no, dog. He restarted the fight. He restarted the fire fucking totem. That was his job, and now he is done. Now you get to stand the side and just fucking jack it to this weird to- stuff toy we made. Yeah, well, at least we've got to keep him around because he's their scientist. Yeah, he is their one scientist. <laughs> they don't have a scientist if he leaves. They have to replace him. <laughs> Get Mister Terrific up in there. Uh no, please. They're, this this universe of Mister Terrific is terrible. I know. I've seen him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like the one other option was to get Lex Luthor. Cisco. Oh yeah, they could get vibe. Or one of the nineteen Tom Cavanaughs. What? Tom Cavanaugh. He's uh, Harrison Wells in The Flash. They wanted There's to... 19 of him? There are infinity of him. That's the thing. He is the character who is the most affected by the fact that there's a multiverse. I, I really am glad I stopped because, watching The Flash. Because here's the thing. In that first season, it's revealed that he is not actually Harrison Wells at all. But they wanted to keep the actor around, so they just started going, all right, there is infinity multiverses, there are infinity Harrison Wells. And so he keeps and so he'll and so like every season, they will essentially introduce a new Harrison Wells to be part of the team. Do they kill off the old ones? No, they just kind of leave. Oh. Well, some sometimes they kill them off, sometimes they just leave. Okay. Yeah, like one of the Harrison Wells is the dad of Jesse Quick. Okay. And oh, I like that's actually one thing I like is that they've kind of added Wally onto the team. Mm. What? They don't do a whole lot with him. Wally doesn't fit super well with the team, and I all, and it still fucking bugs me they call that twenty like twenty to twenty five year old man kid Flash. Eh. Like, what the fuck was wrong with him being 16? Like, at like at most. Like, yeah, he's doing fucking street racing stuff. You can drive at 16 in America. That's true. So, fuck it. 16. That, mean, that means he is... That means he is old enough that they... Old enough that they could, quote-unquote, realistically have someone in their fucking 30s play a 16-year-old. But also, he's young enough that it still makes sense for people to call him kid. But nope. He is in his mid-20s. Hey, Kid Flash, I say as the person who is three years older than you. Hey, damn kids. Getting your superpowers and traveling at high speeds across the world. Yeah, if John Wesley's ship was the Flash to to Wally West's Kid Flash, that would be fine. But no, it is Barry, the guy who is around the same age as Wally's sister, who it is established in the show she is three years older than Wally. Fucking Christ. That pisses me off way more than it should. It really does. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to, like, sugarcoat that. It is It is a stupid personal nitpick that no one else probably fucking has. But fuck it, this is the hill I will die on. Oh, don't die, Dad. 
<laughs> then I'd have to wait for James to run a game. <laughs> anyway, Legends. Yeah, anyway, Legends. Um, it's... I'm, I still enjoy the show. Like, that's not changed. I'm just... I'm I'm not sure what their plan is. Okay. Well. Okay, like the end was Constantine comes up and is like, "You fucking idiots, you let the bastard in and now there's troubles." And I'm like, "Okay, but what's the point?" What are you getting at, Constantine? <laughs> like, yeah, they were like, we kind of knew they were gonna do that from episode one. Yeah, that's, if we're honest, that's been every like, season. Every season ends with, "Hey guys, we did good." Oh wait, time's fucked. It's like you're John Constantine. You always get in the shit. Who are you to complain about anyone else doing anything and? causing trouble well because john Con- well because john constantine what he does is while he does like yes kill a lot of people get a bunch of innocents, whatever he closes shit the legends open shit i suppose if you want to be the opposite of nitpicky ah <laughs> uh, but yeah with, with season four um no cookies are for closers yeah, well, so um, so no, I'm not, I'm won't, I won't get like super into the details for season four, but season four, the thing mainly seems to be it is largely episodic, with more and more characters finding out that finding out stuff about John that ends up becoming more of the main thrust of the plot. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like the whole thing is they release magic into the world. So what they do is they travel through time finding fucking anachronisms that are magic. Like, oh, hey, Woodstock turned into a fucking massacre. But they go back in time. Turns out it was a unicorn. Unicorns are fucking evil. Yeah. Anyone who says differently is part of the unicorn mafia. Yeah, um, the unicorn bit off one of Gary's nipples when they sent it to hell. Poor Gary. <laughs> like, he always gets the raw end of the stick. Yeah, but... Okay, this might be a bit of... This might be a bit of I'm not 100% sure because it happens in, like, the first episode. But Nate leaves the ship to work for the Time Bureau full-time. So Gary at least has a buddy now. I can actually see him doing that. Yeah, it's part of a... It's part of a storyline dealing with his dad. Oh. I thought it was going to be a storyline dealing with him losing a Maya. Uh, okay. It gets weird, actually, because that actress is still on the show. What? Yes. One of the early people they go out to do, one of the early fucking magic things they go down to track is a shapeshifter who shapeshifts into a Maya to fuck with them. And then John essentially gives her a magic lobotomy that takes away her shapeshifting powers. So now you have a Maya, but she's fucking London punk rock. What? Yeah. 
yeah, the shapeshifter uh, was part of a like the the shapeshifter was part of a like fucking like early British punk like Sex Pistol style real underground band. And one of the things they did was shapeshift into the queen, steal the steal the fucking royal jewels, and then go and have a party with her fucking band in, their, in a fucking mosh pit as the queen. So I they go back. In, that. Yes, they go back in time, and Ray actually kind of develop like tries to develop like a friendship with him. And she's and so she reveals, hey, fucking shapeshifting, shapeshift into Amaya, and then Constantine comes in, casts a spell on her so she can't shapeshift anymore, and then she takes the punk rock aesthetic into Amaya. And so now it is her in her using her more more natural um, accent because the actress is British. Oh, that is weird. And yeah, so you get you get to see Amaya, but instead of talking with a with an American accent in regular clothes, she is in like a fucking she's in like a fucking Sex pistol shirt with ripped up fucking fishnets. This show is fucking weird, man. I can't deny that. And the universe that they're in is kind of weird because this is the second show where they've had to do fucking narrative backflips in order to in order to justify having an actor stay on after their character leaves. But I mean, hey, props to them for having loyalty to their fucking cast. Yeah, you got I got to give them that. Like it's weird. Yeah, it's like, but... hey, we like, hey, we wrote the story that the only way it makes sense is for you to leave. So here's a new character. So she still has her own mind, right? Yeah, she is an entirely different character. Her name is Charlie. Okay. She's just played by the same actor. Which that's the weird thing. Everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Oh, what is, bruv? Fucking Charlie, mate." And then, then everyone's like, yeah, okay. Actually, speaking of the mixed book, the main character of that book becomes a character in the show for a bit. Oh, I cannot wait until they put that shit on Netflix. Yes, in the Godzilla episode. Oh, man, I want to see this so badly. Mick gets his hands on a fucking book that anything written in it becomes reality. So he writes a story of how his fucking creation gets into a fucking death match with the squid with a squid character who was the who was essentially the proto Godzilla kicks its ass and then Mick just keeps the book and keeps her around. Oh, why does no one else think this is a bad idea? No, they do. They 100% do. Yeah, it's so she's she's been she was in like three episodes as like a as like a side bit for a joke. First episode is when he gets the book. Second episode is when every literally every person is like Mick should not have that fucking book. And then they take the book away. And the third episode that she shows up in is the mid season finale where uh, people go back in time, fuck with time, and everything gets really shitty and weird. Yeah, it was um, Legends of Meow Meow or something. Legends of Meow Meow. That's what it was. Oh, God. <laughs> Where they go back in time and cause, like, weirder and weirder shit to happen in order to, like, Constantine goes back in time to do something, which I won't say because it'll be spoilers. Legends of Meow Meow. But 
every time they go back and change something, things get worse. And every time they come back to the present, they then go through a like fucking old school, like TV show intro style of introduction to this new status quo. And yeah, it's just fucking real weird. And it's kind of great. Legends of Tomorrow is amazing. That's all I have to say about it. You got anything else to say about it? Um, I'm excited all over for the new season. <laughs> I'm also somewhat horrified. It's great. I really enjoy it. There's a new character introduced who almost fucks a Hawaiian werewolf. I want to write for this show. <laughs> like it just feels like they'll just be like, you want to do what? Okay, let's see if we have access to that character. We don't, so you're going to have to come up with an alternative. Well, bitch. Oh, God, no. I'm just imagining we go in, write an entire episode. Turns out we can't use any of the characters, so you have to fucking watch man it. <laughs> Just, we want the question. Can't have him. Okay, this is this is the, the query. Ask, yeah, yeah. This is the asker. Just he is basically he speaks of the question in everything but name. This is the query. Uh what does he do? He makes inquiries. He's a being without a face who then puts on some rubber and then gasses it to make himself a face. No, no, we just stop at easy being without a face. Because <laughs> then we don't we don't need to do the rubber shit. So problem solved. Uh. Anyway. Anything else? Um No, but I, I feel like nothing can be better than the the nonsense episode that we just came up with starring the query. Well, that's why you're wrong, bitch. And I'll be talking about that when we come back, because I need to go do something. We'll be right back, everybody. We're back, everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, so. Dead man's house was freezing, so he had to quickly start a fire in his friend's bedroom. Yeah, if I'm being honest, it'll help in the long run. His room is disgusting. <laughs> anyway. So. I saw Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, me and my wife keep saying, yeah, we'll go see that. And then we wind up not seeing it. I make a concerted effort in myself try to by trying to not oversell something. That is one of the things that kind of bugs me the most. And I make an effort whenever I can to not do that. I have heard it is the best shit that has ever graced a toilet. It is spectacular. Like, I have some gripes about it, which I'll get out of the way up front because 
I don't want this entire thing. I don't want this thing to be, yeah, it's good. Here's bad. Yeah, it's a couple things that just really bug me about it. One, awkward humor. For some fucking reason, the last couple of years, the, the prevailing thing is, hey, you want to write a funny situation? Write a situation that's awkward. Which, no, that just... That just makes your audience feel awkward. Thanks. Yes, and as someone who gets anxiety about awkwardness, it doesn't help. Agreed. As someone who also gets anxiety about awkwardness. Yeah. Um, other thing, uh, it does It does a thing that kind of bugs me about, like, about some movies... Just, it's like people don't know how to write like an actual progression of skills. They just go, all right, he is terrible until he learns to believe in himself. And then, woo. Yay. And they do that, which is a bit fucking. But that. Those are largely my only problems with it. Because everything else is kind of fucking amazing. And yes, I will keep using adjective to describe this that are just fucking that are bolt-ons for Spider-Man comics. Honestly, from what I hear, it's superior in every way to most other Spider-Man films. 100%. Hundo percent. Like, after going and seeing it, I actually looked back at a Korger's review of it that he managed to get early somehow that I didn't even bother asking how. Oh, uh, they got to go see a pre-release. Cool. But anyway, I... Look back at this thing, and his tag for it was was it is now a three way battle in his head between whether this Homecoming or Spider Man Two is the best Spider Man movie. Whereas for you, it's no question, no question. This this is the best. This is fucking this is fucking incredible. So I guess just some so just I'm, I'm not going to go into like super deep stuff on it because it is still kind of coming up and not get like plot stuff. So things I just really like about it. Um, fucking what they did with miles. I really appreciate that. They did something a bit more with miles. Cause miles in the comics is good. He is a good character in the comics, but just adding the like artist angle to him. Just kind of gave him a little extra something. Because, because, like, because for a lot, because uh, most of the stuff that I remember from Miles, it just kind of like separating, like the separating stuff from him and Peter was largely just what he didn't have that Peter did have, which was mainly the hyper intelligence. Like Miles is a smart kid. Like the whole thing is that both, like both the comic and the movie, start with him going to a fancy ass school. Because he won a lottery and also managed to pass an entrance exam because he is fucking actually a smart kid. But it wasn't to the level of I can manufacture web shooters on my own. So so having him be like, yeah, smart kid, but also artist side and also him being just like a regular kid who just kind of hangs out in his room and shittily sings along to his favorite song. Which is a thing that keeps recurring, which I actually really enjoy. They did, they did so much to give just like little bits of little bits of more character to Miles that helped build him up more so that I actually prefer the version of him in the movie to the version of the comics. Wow. Yeah, um having schlubby old Peter Parker. I so much so much of Peter Parker is either him as the young guy or him as or him as dead. 
or close to dead. They don't really do like they don't really like the like a midlife crisis Peter. <laughs> Which is what this Peter is. If you see any of the fucking trailers and stuff, that's what this guy is. He is in his fucking forties, or near, or at least nearing forties. His wife left him. He do they specify which of the uh, numerous options he has that it was? Um, no, like this is from from, from I've been able to hear, uh, they, they didn't really get into like super things of like, hey, this is this is from universe this or whatever. They just seem to do like mainly environmental stuff, and this seems to be main Earth Peter. Because, okay. because like, in, in Miles' universe, like, it, when, when we see, like, mainline universe Peter, he swings by a Coca-Cola billboard. Whereas Miles swings by fucking cola soda or whatever. So th- that thing seems to be, this is mainline universe Peter Parker. Mmm, Coca-Cola. Bitch, this is a Pepsi website. Fuck you, Coca-Cola is the best. I'm holding a Pepsi right now. I have a, a liter and a half of Coca-Cola in my fridge. I can literally go get that shit right now. Anyway. Yeah, so having him kind of be your main secondary Spider-Man is really great. Uh, the relationship that develops between him and uh, Miles feels Really natural for what given given what characters are. Um, Jake Johnson does a really great job with comedic timing and like actually like ed, like editing and stuff. Actually, does a really great job with comedic timing of him and Miles. Um, one of the things I was actually kind of worried going into this movie was the voice acting because we, when we saw like early trailers and stuff, the voice acting felt flat and actually the audio quality sounded a lot worse than I thought it would. But getting into it, it all works in the movie. Uh, it all is like and any any worries I had about it were immediately dissuaded by just actually watching it. Um, Spider Gwen, she's great. Just I like the character, and this seems to be just the character. Uh, Spider Man Noir and like Spider Man Noir, um, Spider. Which is I, I don't I don't actually know how to pronounce her character name because like like Penny Parker is the character, but her Spider Man name is capital S lowercase P backslash backslash D R. So I've just I got nothing. So I've just re- <laughs> so I've just resigned myself to jokingly referring to her as Spider and Spider Ham. Uh, those three are largely in there for jokes, but. None of them, but none of them like spent like none. The jokes that they have aren't super funny, but they're funny enough to get a laugh out of me, and they don't overplay them. Like the joke, like the joke of Spider-Man Noir is a he's noir, and b he's from a world of black and white. So one of the scenes is him sitting on a bed, like sitting on a couch with a Rubik's cube, trying to trying to guess what the color names were. <laughs> That's awesome. And his and his like and his like big thing is he takes the Rubik's cube with him when he leaves. Which is great. Nicholas Cage does a fan- Nicholas Cage does a weirdly fantastic job of playing jokes about really dark heroes, like this and Big Daddy are kind of are kind of very similar roles, and he plays them both incredibly well. And hearing Nick Cage just like just shout out a bunch of like really weird 1930s slang, 
like slight sayings I have never heard before and I will probably never hear again until I watch the movie again. Because believe him, he will be watching this again. Oh, 100%. Uh, Spider-Ham, he is... He is the most joke. But it also has the least screen presence. Which kind of is necessary. Like, Spider-Ham is the... Spider-Ham is... Spider-Ham was the worry going into the movie for a lot of people because he is literally a Looney Tune but Spider-Man. And John Mulaney does a great job actually getting that energy across in the dialogue and in, in his performance. Wait, it's John Mulaney? I believe so. Oh, God. That, if it's John Mulaney, fuck yeah, man. Let me just uh, actually double check that. I want to get... I want to get all this shit right, because this movie deserves every fucking this bit of praise. This movie earned it. This movie earned getting this shit right. All right. Yep, John Mulaney. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Shamik Moore as Miles, he's great. Um, what is... One thing that's actually a lot of really, that's really funny is the way that they handle explaining origin stories. Because because a lot of it is a lot of it is just kind of over and over again. Because the movie writers, everyone knows that we know this. Like for like like at the beginning of the movie, we get a we get an introduction from Chris Pine's Spider Man. Because Chris Pine is in this movie as Spider Man, who immediately gets killed. <laughs> what? Yeah, the thing that spurs Miles into becoming Spider-Man is Peter Parker dying. That's oh, okay. that's how it is in the comics too. Yeah, I know. But... Yeah, so they, yeah, so they brought in Chris Pine. Um, actually, had him record a Spider-Man parody Christmas song. Okay, because that's a thing. Like one of the jokes is that like he got so fucking popular and started like licensing himself out to other stuff that he just kind of. That he, that he ended up, like, making some bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. so he, he starts out with an origin story, and it's just, like, really quick, just blame, blame, this is what's happening. And then when we get to the older Peter Parker, we get his origin story, which plays out with almost the exact same script. And same animation. And, and then until things, until things get to the change. And then we get Spider-Gwen's origin story, which again starts out the exact same way. With even the same animation almost. And then we get the other three people's origin story that all run simultaneously with them beginning with all the exact same dialogue. With the exception of the fact, with with the exception of of Spider-Ham, who was a spider who got bitten by a radioactive pig. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the joke. Everyone else is like, yeah, so I got bit by a radioactive spider. And he's like, I was bit by a radioactive pig. And it all works. It all works so fucking well. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I fucking love this movie so much. It is... I remember, I remember back when I, when we initially, like when, uh, fucking homecoming first came out and we talked about it and I believe at the time you asked me what you asked me if I was reviewing it, if, if I were to review it, what score I gave it? And I said a five out of five. 
when I watched it, and and like like my opinions from that time, I stand by them, but my opinion has lessened a bit because of just distance. Mm-hmm. So my score would so score would have dropped a bit, around a four. But this is still like. Even if I were to watch this like back to back with fucking with fucking Homecoming at the exact time Homecoming came out, this would still blow Homecoming out of the fucking water. Okay, then. Oh, it's so good. The art direction and like the way like the way it like actually does animation like the way that it does the animation and the coloring and stuff, like like everything, all of this movie is just saturated in comic. Like after Miles gets bitten by the spider, he starts having an internal monologue that shows up as like you know text boxes behind him or like speak or like you know thought bubbles and stuff. Um, when the scorpion shows up, he is uh, he's speaking Spanish and like a little speech bubble comes up with him speaking Spanish, but it's translated into English with a little box underneath that says translated from Spanish, like you do in comics. All the shading has like the you know like the dot shading that old school comics used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they do a lot of like panel and panel stuff, stuff and uh, and. There's this weird like chromatic apparition that's happening over the entire movie where like the, like the red like the red greens and blues are all just kind of split up just enough to see them like on the edges of character models and stuff and it looks fucking great. I really need to just sit my wife down and be like, we're going to go see this movie. It moves. There the main are, reason we haven't is laziness. Yeah, it fucking moves. There are so many jokes that are just hidden in the actual animation. Like 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 him like Miles fucking throws a bagel at a dude and it hits his head and you see a little bagel sound effect come off of it. Oh my god! Seriously? Yep. I need to see this. It is <laughs> great. And also, a weird fucking thing. This movie. This movie fucking. It, so so the nineteen sixty seven Spider Man cartoon has become a bit of a meme. Mm hmm. There are two references to two separate memes that that, that show fucking produced. Wow. You know what that does tell me, though? What's that? This show is not going to have aged well. No, I think it 100% this movie, will. I mean? Like, like memes? Because it it's all... it It's all nostalgia and memes from what you're describing to me. Which is fucking great in the moment, but... No, no, it's, it's not nostalgia... Like, a, there is no nostalgia in this. Like, like, there's nostalgia in the fact that it's Spider-Man, but it is very much a movie of now. Okay. And the meme that the meme and the, the way that it references the memes, it's not like a "Hey, look, we got this meme thing in here." It's a matter of there is a joke that they are telling in the style, and it works regardless of whether or not you understand it. Because, because, like the joke. Okay, so this, so so one of the things, so one of the one of the references to it is just in the credits. It's it's not an actual bit in the movie that affects the storyline or anything. It is just a, it is just when they're going through the credits, they have a bunch of different art of Spider-Man of the different spider people doing stuff. And one of the Spider-Man things is Spider-Man sitting behind a desk with a wall of pictures of himself. Mm-hmm. That's the reference. Then it moves on. And the other one is a post-credit sequence, which. I kind of want to talk about because it because so I can like justify what I'm saying about it, but I kind of don't I, want I to. Don't also, mind you spoiling post credit sequences, they sicken me. Okay, so spoilers for anyone who cares. Miguel O'Hara, 
Spider-Man 2099 shows up. Yeah. Build like, and then jumps to another universe, Spider-Man Earth 60, Earth 67, where he then lands in front of 1967 Spider-Man. And they, and then they both point at each other and then, and then they start getting into an argument about whether it's rude or not to point. And that's the joke. <laughs> it references it references a meme that has been going around of people using a using a screenshot from the show of Spider Man pointing at another Spider Man. Okay. It is not some weird fucking like flash in the pan meme bullshit humor. It's not fucking success kid. Okay. Okay. I I just I hear memes and I like I assume. Oh no! A I one hundred percent agree with you. That's why I'm trying to talk about this in such a fucking emphatic way of this is not that. Okay, I believe you. This like, is not some motherfucker doing a take all my, shut up and take my money fry joke. I could still see like this not like I could see it not aging well. I guess we're going to have to see how it ages to see how well it ages. Yeah, and I like personally I can't really see this aging poorly. Because like, because like the, the art style is this. This does the this does the thing that like movies should do, where it emphasizes art direction over technical animation. Mm-hmm. And so the art style itself is is like, ooh, do they do that? The famous Spider-Man scene where Spooderman has to lift an incredibly heavy object or else he'll die. Nope. Actually, no, they don't do that one of my favorite scenes but it is stupidly over referenced yeah they don't do that um but no actually it was actually that scene that first inspired me to uh become a huge fan not of spider-man but of the silent scene storytelling where a character says nothing but their actions say everything Uh uh-huh no i get what you're saying but no like one of the like a thing, a thing that I did not expect to really enjoy, but actually ended up enjoying, is their iteration of Ultimate Green Goblin. So, for those who don't read comics, you probably know what the Green Goblin is. You've seen him, like the weird little elf man with the weird fucking purple hat and the glider and the pumpkin bombs and stuff. Ultimate Green Goblin is basically the Hulk with fire powers. Yeah. This green yeah. goblin, yeah, this ultimate green goblin is the size of that same guy, but with wings, the purple hat, and pumpkin bombs. Nice. So he doesn't, so he doesn't have fucking like fire powers. He just has pumpkin bombs. But he still is this giant fucking monster that's flying around, fucking beating the shit out of Spider Man. Oh god. Oh and fucking. Kingpin, Kingpin Two is great. His he has a whole fucking motivation that is not just I hate you, Spiderman. I'm a crime boy. I commit crooms. Yeah, he actually he actually has like a he actually has like real character motivation. <laughs> and Lee Schreiber does a great job voicing him. Uh, and his design is probably the most cartoony because he's essentially a big black square with a head. What? Yeah, he he's this like they draw they draw him as this giant fucking man whose head is like halfway down his chest because his back is so massive, and he's all very square and stuff and just kind of like 
bumping around like like he does like this is really weird walk cycle looking thing. Um, it all just plays into this more cartoony aspect of things without without it ever being like without it ever be getting like away from the more serious side of things. Like Kingpin fucking beats Spider Man to death. And he looks like he does. He looks like I described him, but he beat Spider-Man to death and it was fucking hard as it was fucking hardcore as hell. Ah, so good. I just, I feel good now. (laughs) I feel good talking about this. to improve his mood. The only thing he needed. I like liking Spider-Man. And it is something that I have had a bit of a hard time until relatively recently. Because until relatively recently, Spider-Man, kind of across all platforms, has kind of sucked. But then the game came out. Then Spider-Man got a new comic series that was actually good. And now this fucking movie. Have they undone the marriage yet? I mean, the divorce yet? Uh, no. And they can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, no, so, so it wasn't a divorce. It was just they never got married. I, I know. Because I'm he sold his marriage to Satan. what it really is. He sold his marriage to Satan to keep his octogenarian aunt alive for a couple more years. <sighs> Comics are weird, people. Anyway, speaking of comics are weird, um, kind of. So there's this thing going around where, like, like that kind of started going around when the movie came out, of people reading into a line that, reading into a line and making a gay relationship out of it. It happened? So, in this movie, we get to meet a new iteration of Doc Ock, Olivia Octavius. And one of her lines is, is like she like she is uh, she has old Spider Man by the throat, and Spider Man's like I don't suppose your friends call you Doc Ock, and she's like she goes like No, my friends call me Liv, my enemies call me Doc Ock. And then later in the movie, when Doc Ock invades Aunt May's house, Aunt May goes Oh great, it's Liv. And because in the comics there is a very 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 weird relationship between Doc Ock and Aunt May. People have been reading into it that this line means that Aunt May used to date Doc Ock. Which I fucking hope that's not the case. Because I will tell you why. It is lazy representation. For another example of this, let's go back to Voltron. Yeah, told you I'd bring it back. So, Voltron. Shiro. In season seven, it was revealed he's gay. Did it matter? No. Was it bad? Yes. Because it was not written. At all. It seemed like this, it seemed like that entire bit of the reveal that Shiro is gay is them pandering to Tumblr. Just, all right, yeah, so they want gay representation. Uh, Let's fucking make Shiro gay. I don't know. Now, see, I have to say this. It's not bad that they included a homosexual character. It's bad that they included a homosexual character and tried to make a pivotal point around it 
when it meant After nothing. After having led no hints to it whatsoever. Yep. Up until the point where it is revealed that he is gay, I did not even know that Shiro had any desire to be with people. They could have easily made him ace, which is also something that Tumblr would have enjoyed representing. Yeah. The only problem is they can't ha- like have him be ace unless they, like, oh, I don't know, had a woman come on to one of the heroes of the galaxy and him just being like, sorry, I'm just not interested in sex. Oh, man, that would have been so hard to write. Yeah. But if they did that, it would also be poorly written because that was really poorly written. Yeah, I know, but. Look, man, Hollywood writers are just getting around to the idea that gay people don't have to act like Jack. They're going to need a couple more decades to understand that asexual people exist. Which that's just fucking sad. But anyway. Yeah, so have so Aunt May being gay, or or I guess no, sorry, not bi. She'd have to be bi because she was married to Uncle Ben, which is still a thing. That was still a thing. But if she was bi, fucking cool. What does it matter? It doesn't at all to even her character within the within the context of the story. Because it's a throwaway line that hints at the hints at like more stuff. Probably what it hinted at is the fact that she used to work at Alchemex because she fucking can make web shooters. What? <laughs> Aunt May made Miles's web shooters. That's awesome. Kind of adorable too. Yeah. Oh, like, come like, here, honey. Let me get those hooked up for you. Yeah, like fuck her. This version of Aunt May, she knew Peter was Spider-Man and built him a fucking spider cave under the shed in the backyard. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, they, they go back there and old man Peter's like, yeah, have these two, a little shed, have my, have my spider gear in there. She puts a key in, turns it, then the door fucking turns, and the door fucking opens up like with a glowing spider on it, and then the elevator drops down into this weird fucking black void where the spider jeep is hanging out in a web, in a web array. And then goes up to the fucking cave, web computer. Spider cave does whatever a spider, spider cave, cave does. does. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I love being a nerd. <laughs> yeah. But that's the implication that I got from it. If it is the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, they, she was just like, hey, who cares? Fucking somebody. Uh, yeah. Like, Is it hot Aunt May or? It's uh, old lady Aunt May. Old lady, Aunt May, okay. Well, not super old. She's uh, voiced by Lily Tomlin, so like around like maybe like mid to late 60s. Okay. It's not too bad. Yeah, and Octavia looks like she's in her like 40s. Ah, so they could totally have gotten horizontal. Yeah, but it makes a lot more sense. That they used to work together. Yeah, no, it does, but I'm I'm not disagreeing with the fact that it's stupid that people are latching onto that. Yeah, I'm they're, just they're latching, on, latching onto it because like the three steps removed idea that yo, Otto Octavius once almost married Aunt May. That must mean they always fuck. Yes, because that's how the multiverse works. Yes. I, I don't know. It, if you're going to have a gay character, have a gay character. Just have them 
kind of be gay from the jump for the story. Because it... If you're going to have it be a big part of the story. You can have a gay character who's just gay and then not have it be a massively essential part of the story. No, no, like, so, so what I'm saying is what you're saying. Like, like, like not, not they're gay for the story, but they are gay for the duration of their time. Like, you know they are gay. Like, this, this fucking big... Like twist reveal of oh shit this character you thought was oh okay this character you've been following for a while guess what they're gay psych bitch that the thing that's the thing that fucking pissed me off because it is just fucking shock value representation for the sake of saying we have a gay character in our story yeah there's no real point to it yeah it's just it's just fuck we need we need a gay character otherwise people will think we're fucking homos otherwise people will think we're homophobic I'm not gonna lie I have totally written in. Uh... Uh, I've totally written in characters because I was like, ah, we need to make sure that we've got some representation. But then I actually, if I'm going to make it a big part of the story, go back and try and make it a part of the story. When I make characters, I roll a dice. <laughs> to determine their sexuality? Basically. Nice. I have, I have, I have, I have seen that done. It, it's, yeah, j- it's, just, li- just like, all right, fucking... Fucking one through 70 straight, everything else, well, I'll fucking build that table later. <laughs> I give it more generic odds. I give it, like, I, I try to give it odds of, like, hey, there's this many people in the world, this is a, a like, like, this skew of the population is this, the rest is just fucking whatever. Well, see, the thing is, like, theoretically, the skew is actually towards, like demisexual where you're attracted to who you're attracted to regardless of gender but people are too afraid to admit that about themselves but we're we're not tumblr so it doesn't matter yep tumblr's not even tumblr anymore but right now tumblr fucking has to thrive off of the surprise they gay because they got rid of all their porn to jack off to anyway it's not surprising anymore, Tumblr. It's not surprising when a character's gay. Yeah. And the big surprise reveal is stupid and tacky. And done mainly to pander to people like you. Fuck you, Tumblr. Are you talking to me or Tumblr? Tumblr. I said fuck you, Tumblr. Okay. I hate a lot of people. I just realized that. I hate a lot of... Bl- I, I kind of like blanket hate a lot of communities. Well, usually they deserve it. Yeah, usually. That, yeah, that's entirely fair. So, yeah, <laughs> like see, I don't feel bad okay, anymore. I, Fuck I you, Tumblr. I have to say this: communities, you guys usually suck because usually the voices that are heard are the giant flaming assholes of the community. Yeah, there's a. I'm, I'm actually there's actually a fucking forum that I kind of follow that is about um, that's about like a like following like this web comic artist that I really enjoy. And just for like fucking two weeks in between page releases, it just turned into this fucking insane racist diatribe about fucking something. Just instantly, just, oh God. This page wasn't released. And then we go down into the abyss. And I would like to state, my wife is on Tumblr. I really wish she wasn't. Because every other fucking week, Tumblr has done something to upset her. And it's just really fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, but it's usually even so, odd. So that- I know not all of Tumblr is bad. 
But you can't blame me for thinking a lot of it is when every other week my wife's getting depressed yep. because of something going on on Tumblr. It's usually even odds on whether or not it is an artist who ki- who tried to kill themselves because a bunch of people called them a racist for making a character slightly a slightly lighter shade of black than they were in the show. Yeah, fucking Tumblr is dog shit. But you know what ain't dog shit? The Orville. You know what? You know what is dog shit? The Orville. I'm joking. <laughs> Orville is fucking great. Season two is back and it is so far better than the first. And I really enjoyed the first. Cause the first, like, it's, it's really fucking weird. The first episode of season two is essentially an episode long joke about piss. Because one of the, you know, I'm still mad about the Arbor day. Uh, you got wood joke. Yeah, this is not that. What this is I'm still is mad about that yeah. What this joke. is what what this episode is is one of the characters, um, the uh, uh, Bordis, the Mocklin. Uh, yeah. So the Mocklin race they pee once a year, and it is a very spiritual situation for them. They actually invite they actually have people come over like come out and watch them uh, as they go through this massive ritual of like expelling their own urine. And the episode is about the build-up to him peeing. And it all works. They treat it with they treat it with like an actual amount of reverence that I would not expect from Seth MacFarlane. And, and like, you know, seriousness of like an actual religious ceremony, but it's a religious ceremony of peeing. And one of the more recent episodes does a really, really interesting fucking thing where there's a character. In, so, so, um, fucking God damn it. Uh, Kelly, uh, the Seth MacFarlane's character's ex-wife who's his, who's his XO. She starts dating someone, someone new, a teacher on the ship. And so, and so, Ed, and so Ed, uh, Seth MacFarlane's character has some weird, hang us about it and then eventually just kind of goes like you know what we're not together anymore she can live her own life it is fine I have some problems with let it still let me guess she immediately gets tired of the person nope he's cool with him no she nope she's cool with him they're still dating okay that's kind of shocking because yeah it's like didn't have the highest opinion of her <laughs> no yeah they they just kind of they, they start dating and they've been dating for a couple months and things seem to be going well but yeah, and so then they introduce a new love interest for Ed in the form of a new dark matter fucking whatever scientist person for the ship. They get together, start going out, doing whatever. Turns out she is a fucking krill. Not only that, the krill from the episode called Krill from season one. Seriously? Yes. Yep, even played both in and out of makeup by the same actress. And it is and it is just like it is an episode about them like about like him about like Ed realizing, oh fuck, this is how this relationship I've been in is act like lie and kind of refusing to accept it and like pushing hard. And he still has like actual feelings for her, and she is like kind of getting beginning to get on the fence about both her society's view on everything else in the galaxy and her relationship with him. And this 
this opens up shit to come in later in the season and then like further seasons where things get fucking weird as hell and fucking cool. I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. But it's so well done. And I really we tend to do a terrible job explaining shows we love in yeah. part because we want to tell people we want people to actually watch them themselves. Yes. Um, one unfortunate thing, though, uh, going into this going into the season is um, Halston Sage, who played um, Alara Catan, has left the show. Oh, that's a shame. But they gave a actually they actually gave her like a proper send up episode and a more like an actual real thing to be a reason why she left. And it's not just, oh, yeah, she's fucking dead. Yeah. So in the episode where she decides to leave, um, she's having an arm wrestling contest with Isaac, which is apparently something they do basically every lunch just to see which one of them is stronger. Mainly for everyone else on the ship. And then Isaac breaks her arm. Oh, yeah! It turns out that spending all her time spending it turns out that spending the amount of time that she has in Earth normal gravity has actually started to cause bone deterioration. Yeah, that. Wow, that. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, I'm, so they send her back home. This to is her Seth MacFarlane. This is, hey, wouldn't an hour and a half about a teddy, a teddy bear that's into having sex be funny? Yeah. This is him. That's that guy. This is, let me make the same show, uh, let me make the same show eight times. Because people will still buy it. This is, in a 22-minute episode, let's have a 10-minute fight with a chicken seven times in a row. Okay, that was funny. The first time. Yeah, the first time. But every time after that, they they rehashed yeah. that joke like like I said like seven times. But no, they fucking he did this. Yeah, so she goes back home, and uh, the entire episode is just kind of her dealing with the fact that her family, uh, with her dad being Robert Picardo, uh, with the fact that they just kind of do not like that she works for the fucking alliance. And then, an, and then another former Star Trek doctor shows up and turns out he's a fucking insane murderer who wants to kill his entire family. Oh, yay. So she has to fucking take him down. And then, and then decides at the end of it all, like, hey, I love the, I love the time I spent on the ship. This has been fucking amazing. But I, I want to be with my family. So she could come back at some point. Um, from what I understand, uh, she left not because of any like drama or anything. She left to go pursue other projects. Oh, well, that's always good. So, potentially, she could come back at some point. The unfortunate thing, though, is they replaced her with... So, she's Zelayan. They replaced her with a different Zelayan. Ah. Yeah, I know. Like, for a couple episodes there, uh, they had... They had, um... They had a fucking Patrick Warburton as a big, fat, sweaty guy with two esophaguses. Esophagi? I don't know. The point is, it was a joke that wasn't really funny. But it was at least something else. But now it but now it is uh but now we got this new lady who is who is just I don't even really know how to describe her. I haven't watched the the episode the episode that she was introduced in was an episode I kinda didn't want to watch. Which is which is a shame because it is the most fucking cool ass idea 
for one of these fucking things in that it's a first contact episode. Like like the fucking the the United Alliance or whatever has a prime directive style thing of of like of like hey we hey, we aren't going to interfere with like the natural progression of a fucking society. But as opposed to as opposed to Star Trek which is we will not interfere with them until they reach warp. This prime directive is we won't interfere with them until they can send a radio signal into space. Oh. That's a lot earlier in their development. Super earlier. But yeah, so they send out a fucking bing. They send out a fucking ping. They get a first contact message and literally everyone on the ship freaks the fuck out because this is because it was cool as shit. And they get down there and it's just like, hey, yeah, so today is like a bad day in the horoscope. So we're going to like arrest two of your crew. Oh, great. Yeah. It. It's one of those societies. Yeah, I it. I. Didn't. I don't like this. Like like this like this whole thing of. Like hey, look at this look at this society. They got fucking. They got these weird backwards ideas about horoscopes. You know, oh, they were born in the wrong stars. So they're evil. They can kind of get a bit preachy, but I kind of just didn't like it from jump. Like, like once I started interacting with the with the society on the planet that that, that made first contact, um, it all just felt flat and weird, and I didn't really want to watch it. I can't really quantify why I didn't want to watch it. I just didn't. Which is a shame because, again, that concept in a Star Trek series. Fucking there's so much potential there. First contact for a show. First contact for a series about space exploration is this is the idea with the most potential that everyone wants to see that they that they don't do a lot. But. Yeah, I don't know. But aside from that one episode, yeah, so far this series, so far season two has been pretty good and actually really, really good, really great. Actually, yeah, it's good. Orville's good, motherfuckers. Moving on to less good. I watched a bit of Punisher season two. So I was not the biggest fan of the Punisher to begin with. Um, like the show, the character or the TV show, the series, like the character when used right can be effective. I have read some of the Punisher Max stuff. I've read, uh, I read like a bunch of co- Punisher comics that handle the character and the pathos of him really well. But then I've also read a bunch of stuff where they are, where the writers like really overemphasize the ability of a man with gun. Like I, that that is something that will always piss me off when that happens in a in a book. Like I I've made my opinions known on the fact that Silver Sable in the fucking Spider-Man game can apparently go toe to toe with fucking Peter. Yeah. But I I guess you'd really hate Punisher kills the Marvel universe. Or Punisher man with guns every super super being alive. Yeah, no, that would 
probably make me set a book on fire. Yeah, like Deadpool is also kind of a man with gun thing, but he works more on cartoon logic than any other fucking comic book character. So him killing everyone makes a bit more sense. He's also, also basically he's immortal. immortal. So yeah, Punisher Frank is again a man with a gun. Sometimes, sometimes he's an angel with a gun. And other times he's the Ghost Rider. And other times he's a black man with a gun. <laughs> That's even... No, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to finish that joke. <laughs> Comic books are weird. Yeah. Sorry, Punisher Season 2. It is... And we're not racist. Yep. <laughs> so, Punisher Season 2. N amount of time after Season 1 of The Punisher. Uh, Frank has... Frank is out in the road doing what he does. He's hanging out in his battle van, going from hotel to hotel. Hotel and, to motel, hunting yeah. things, saving people. Nope, not saving people, just just li- hanging out with his van. The family business. Okay. I was, I was making a Supernatural reference. Okay, then. I have done my best to block out Supernatural from my mind. Anyway, he is hanging out like a country western bar or whatever during a concert one night. He hooks up with a lady, and then this fucking kid, this fucking girl starts showing up at the bar. Um, She has some kind of fucking dirt on this weird old man that works with a fucking preacher uh, mercenary. I don't really know what the deal is there, but yeah, he ends up getting involved with her. He ends up getting involved with her, and she pulls him back into the world of murder. As you do. I yep. mean, if you're going to meet up with the Punisher, you've really got one good reason. Yep. And that's and, to violently murder people. Yep, and it gets kind of kind of weird about like gender politics and stuff. Where at one point the Punisher uh, says, if you were a guy, I would have left you, to, I left you to your own devices, but because you're a girl, I had to save you. Yep, yeah, just a bit weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, and and then we also while well, that's happening as they as that shit's happening, um, Billy Russo, fucking Jigsaw, is also having a storyline where he is horrified by his messed up face, which has a couple of lines on it. I always hate when they do that. Yeah, like I- with um. Victor Von Doom, it makes sense because, like, he's actually got a warped worldview. But with other characters, it's just no. So I'm sorry. What do, what what's the thing you hate when it happens? When a character has a few lines on their face and they're like, "I am forever harmed and scarred, darkened by this fateful world." It's like you've got a scar. So do most people. Yeah, but here's the thing. Everyone in the world, including him, treats it like his face looks like it does in the comics. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and what else doesn't make sense is they hide his face for a good chunk of the episodes he's in, despite the fact that the promotional material for the show showed him showing his face. Like, they go... Like, the first couple episodes that he's in, he is wearing a mask 
Because the doctor that he's with gave him like these weird like fucking party city white masks that he had to that he color around with a sharpie. What? Yeah, that's that's the thing. She she gives him this blank mask and then goes. Well, one thing I like to do with my patients is I like to have them decorate their masks to show to, to so that they, so that um like to visualize on their mask what they want what the face they want people to see or whatever some bullshit like that some bullshit psychobabble. And so then he paints on his mask, which is hey, it's which is weird cracked porcelain doll shit with at the very 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 edges uh the red white and blue of the american flag okay and yeah so he's wearing that mask for the majority of the thing and then when he takes it off it is a behind the back shot where we don't see his face and we get to see the, and we and we're the only thing we see is the doctor's reaction to looking at his fucking face wouldn't she have been responsible for his face yes but then we get to later and we see his face. And like I said, it is the exact same actor with a fucking couple of lines on his face. You're hurting me, dead man. You're hurting me. It is terrible. Also, the fucking back. Also, the fucking storyline with him now is he has amnesia or does he? Ooh. And Madani is there and Madani is fucking terrible. She was the FBI agent from the first one who was investigating the death of some dude in Afghanistan at the hands of Frank Castle's unit. And okay. she and she fucking sucked. I hated her in the first season. And now she's back in a more prominent role. And I still hate her. Because her performance is not super great from her actress and the writing goes out of its way to make her the worst FBI agent. Like... Billy Russo, when when he first when he first like fucking wakes up and starts doing whatever, um, she is just there fucking staring at him and comes back every two days to stare at him because she thinks he's faking the whole I have amnesia thing. Which does he? Does he not? Who gives a shit? Uh the action in this the action in the series takes actually a couple of cues from the third season of Daredevil, where it's a lot more long takes with less music. So for some of the fight scenes, it actually makes them start to feel a bit awkward after a while. Uh, just, I wonder why. It was like a couple minutes of weird grunting, but it but it also but the action itself is still hard hitting. It's well choreographed. It is still well done. And weird thing for a show to do nowadays is a bunch of the bunch of the villains henchmen are women, and Punisher just beats the fuck out of them. Is it bad that I want to say good? No, not really. Like, will I offend people by saying good? Of course you fucking will. But here's the thing, people. This is fucking equality right here. This is something that I have been fucking dying for in this goddamn shit. Because in so many fucking movies, in so many fucking stories like this, where there's a woman in a like lieutenant or foot soldier position in an evil organization... Whenever the main male hero goes to fight her, it is either I'm going to give you a light push and you will fucking go unconscious or I will do nothing and you will kill yourself. Making it appear or like even worse, I will sex you into being good. Yes, which which carries the implication that they did not get to that actual position because of any of their own skill or merit. They either fucked their way there or they just were there. So having so having 
female soldiers in a fucking like foot soldier thing, having them being shown as competent fighters and then having your male protagonist punch them in the fucking face. That's the other thing. It doesn't, even if the female like partner to the male protagonist has been shown to be more badass, it doesn't actually mean as much as if the male protagonist is willing to kick some ass and take some names. Yeah, and if there is a female uh, secondary protagonist, then she's the one who ends up fighting the lady in the organization. Like So often in these fucking things, the only time they show a guy hitting a woman is to emphasize that he is evil. But fucking women can be evil too, guys. Hashtag feminism. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, yeah, I it is it is kind of sad to me that Punisher is the last remaining Marvel Netflix show. Like season three of Daredevil, I was not that big a fan of it, but it was still good. Jessica Jones had the most potential. Um, fucking Luke Cage, the second season got was better than the first one, from what I remember of what I remember. Of, I don't think I actually finished it, and. Iron Fist was dog shit from the jump, so kind of fuck that show. But no, the last one standing is The, the Punisher. The Punisher. I don't know if I'll ever, I don't know if I'll actually go back and finish this. I probably won't. I kind of never really got into the, uh, into the Marvel uh, TV universe just because. None of the shows were of characters that I actually cared enough about to watch. Yeah, you're probably the better for it. I wouldn't say that. Some of them were actually very quality, but it's more some of the seasons were very quality. Not in watching the gritty reality of Jessica Jones, the seedy underbelly of Daredevil, the war-torn psyche of um, the Punisher. I don't even know what to say for Luke Cage or the abhorrent stupidity of, uh, um, God, my brain just turned off. The one where the guy beat up homeless people and was rich. Iron Fist. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. I like Luke Cage and Iron Fist in the comics, and I've liked Daredevil in the comics. Uh, Jessica Jones, I've... My actual experience with Jessica Jones in the comics is more of her as a side character for a Luke Cage story. I know next to nothing about most of these characters. I read some of their early stuff, uh, but other than that. Yeah. Anywho. Moving on. More comic stuff. Uh, Young Justice is back. And it's good. Young Justice is still good. Which is good for me, because I, I really like I, I like Young Justice. Yeah, I'm got, looking forward to getting into that soon. It also got way more hardcore. Well, they don't have to worry about meeting TV standards, so... They burn a lady's face off, and then show it. Good. And then, and then later, and then later another lady... Well, actually, so this, this may be spoilers, I don't know. Uh, but same lady, because her neck broken. Just head twist all the way around. Just full in-frame. 
with the neck snap sound. And then we get to watch her head turn itself back around with hearing the bones crack back into place. Yay! <laughs> Yay! It is... Yay. It is real. And actually, that just reminded me. Um, something that actually... I saw someone post on Twitter this headline for an article on like a website or something that showed an image of Young Justice and Into the Spider-Verse that said, cartoons, not just for kids anymore. <laughs> what world did you live in? And literally ass? every response was, you fucking dumbass. <sighs> yes, Young Justice. Um, some amount of time after fucking season two, um, the majority, like a bunch of bat related care, a bunch of bat related people, um, left the team and the justice league as part of a staged walkout to protest what they saw as the just, what they saw as, um, the lacking proactivists of the justice league, I guess. I'm Batman. Yeah. So Batman, green arrow, and then all the bat kids. I left. love that. The bat kids. Yeah, they that left. Is, that is what they should be called from now on. And a good chunk of like the original team are also just kind of hanging out doing whatever. Like the team's still out there doing stuff, but like Superboy and Ms. Martian are now just living together out in Kansas. They're settling down. Going to have uh, 2.5 kids. Literally yep. 2.5 kids because uh, well, breeding with a Martian. Eh. Yep. <laughs> hanging out there with their dog and their sentient motorcycle. And their sentient spaceship. Yeah, um, Huntress. No, sorry, not Huntress. Um, Tigress, formerly Artemis. She's now living with one of the Roy Harpers. Because there one are three of? of them. Yeah, there are three of them. Why are there three? Cloning. Oh. Remember that bit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, the older one. The one we were following for the majority of season one of uh, Young Justice, he's living with he's living with her um, and is taking care of his daughter, her niece. Yep. Yeah. Actually. Yes. Actually. Forgot about that detail. Um. And meanwhile, you know, Artemis is just like still sad about Wally and living with their dog. But she still gets, you know, roped into stuff with, uh, cause Dick kind of shows up and goes like, Hey, Hey, I, when do you want to come with me and invade a foreign nation? Because metahumans, the, uh, people are actually trafficking in metahumans and specifically metahuman children, like children and teenagers who have the meta gene, but didn't have it activated. They are found, um, kidnapped and then forcibly activated and forcibly have their metagenes activated and then are slapped with mind control collars and sent off to go fight in alien wars. So, you know, not great. And it's largely what, that's largely what I know right now. Um, I've, I'm only a couple episodes in, um, yeah, I'm a bit behind because I just have kind of other stuff happening and I'm also lazy. But yeah, like writing wise, uh, writing wise, voice acting wise, character wise, it all still, it still, it still holds up and it's still like the same level of quality that I remember the original Young Justice being. 
they're expanding more out into the really weird shit like like the fucking Rand Thanagar war and um and the new and the new gods they're like building more on the new gods um forager is now a regular recurring side character which is good i like I, forager i got to ask what they look like uh the bugs are forager forager um cuz i thinking back to a terrible comic so i'm going to say they are more they are less human looking than they were. Like Forger is less human looking than he was in the comics. But is still He still basically looks like he still like looks kinda like a thing. Uh he looks more like a Ben 10 fucking transformation. Oh, so it's a dude this time. Yeah, Forger's a dude. Okay. Well, I'm again remembering back to you're the thinking, comics. You're thinking of a different Forager. Exactly. Yeah, not the not <laughs> That's the why new. I had to yeah. ask. Not not the forger new god. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is forager. One of the guys who lived on the surface of New Genesis instead of above it with the rest of the new gods. Anyway. Yeah, uh, he like uh, there's else. So the main thrust of like new character stuff seems to be. Revolving around the lady who can fucking regenerate, who is called Halo, uh, Forager, and then um, one of the princes of Markov, who got Earth powers. And they I have seen exactly one clip, and it is of a guy burning his clothes off because he got frustrated. Yes, that's him. Prince Brion of Markov. Yeah, it's, it's like lava powers. Uh, and his sister is Tara. You know, that Tara. Yeah, that's that's going to end well. At least that's the implication they're going for so far. But, yeah, the, the main thing seems to be kind of like the, the three of them beginning to form like some kind of like squad relationship thing going on. Because uh, Forager, he gets exiled from New Genesis. And... And like the because he is an insect, he is very much like a, he's very much. I want to be part of a. I want to be part of a hive. I'll be a part of like a fucking cluster of dudes. So y'all gave me apples and a place to sleep. Let's be bros. Uh, and then Halo is an amnesiac. She does not remember anything from before she got killed and came back to life for the first time and got her powers. So. She just kind of blank slate. Meanwhile, Brion is I have been I have been banished from my home because my uncle is a fucking human trafficker. So I've written characters like that before. Yeah. So the three of them have very much latched onto each other. At least at least so far in what I've seen. And yeah, it's just good, man. It's just it's just still well written. It is still it's it's largely episodic, but there seems to be but there is a through line happening throughout it with like the human trafficking stuff and the shit and the shit that is happening out there to deal with the new gods. Which hopefully means we're going to be getting some Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, Young Justice, it has come back and it's still really fucking good. Uh, final thing. Won't have too much to say on this. Um, started watching Legacies. 
which is a spinoff of a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's this YouTuber that I watch, and a lot of the stuff that he does is he makes fun of, like, YA bullshit TV shows. And he did he did a video on legacies, and he said, and based on what he said, what I saw, and everything else, it looked like it was actually pretty all right. So I started watching it, and it's pretty all right. My biggest problem with it is unfortunately the lead actress, because of the actors and actresses they have in the show, she is. Of noticeably lesser skill, like not super lesser, but like noticeably. And also she is, to call back, near Ichigo levels of protagonist. Yay, that's always fun. Because she is, as she puts it, a tribrid. Oh, a what? She is part witch, part vampire, part werewolf. And every one of her fucking parents are people who have massive fucking standings in this goddamn world. Of course they do. <coughs> because you couldn't be special if you weren't special. Yep. Um, for the most part, this show is more of an ensemble deal. Where it's not just following her, it's also following like fucking seven other characters. And in terms of like an actual setup for a thing, I actually really enjoy it. I actually really like the setup for it. So in the world, I guess, of the Vampire Diaries, because it's apparently a fucking thing, um, the only supernatural beings that exist are vampires, werewolves, and are vampires, werewolves, and uh, witches. Those are the only three. Turns out that all the other fucking things of legends and stuff are real. They just, they were just thrown into a fucking demon pit that wiped their, the wiped the, the, the fucking collective world's memory of them from existence. Yay. That's always fun. And so they're coming back one by one to try to break out of this fucking hell pit they're in. Which I don't mind that premise. And they, and they seem to be, and they seem to be like actually building on that in more ways than just, hey, we got one episode, then this thing happens. They actually are like taking proactive steps of like learning and researching stuff. It's a, it's kind of um, serialized in that way, but still being largely episodic. Uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of like problems, like other problems they have with it are just kind of like standard teen stuff of just, of just, hey, all this stupid melodrama stuff for no real reason, and then this other thing, and then this other thing, and then whoa, this guy. Fucked a lady with horrible mental problems and that shouldn't have happened. Especially not in a weird sand pit. Cause just for reference, just for some advice, kids, uh, don't fucking sand. Like it gets everywhere. Also, don't fuck people with horrible mental problems. Like unless, the, like unless, like they are in a good place. Unless, unless you truly love them and they are capable of giving their permission. Yeah, like if you find someone sitting in the remains of a destroyed of a destroyed punching bag, crying their eyes out, maybe you don't have sex with them, even if they want to. 
because that can only lead to problems. And speaking of problems, we have to cut the show short because schedules are in the way. Yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. That's going to be for this episode, I guess. Ah. Thank you all for joining us for what we were able to get. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more of this. Hopefully, like a full episode that we died, that we didn't end up actually horribly scheduling. But anyway, until then, I'm dead. I'm Kate. Bye.